plugging the talent drain. You're right. The Great Resignation is a hyped up movie. Sure, a bunch of people are regretting their decision to quit their last job. But the problem is real. In fact, it's much, much worse. It's not simply the volume of staff attrition. It's that your best and their brightest are being lured away. Too many leaders think it's all about money. And yes, money has a lot to do with it, particularly in sectors where staff have been poorly compensated for decades. Yet even there, it's not exclusively about money, nor is it just about flexibility and the draining commute. It's got a lot more to do with the culture they find at the workplace and the sad state of leadership they find in them. The power and the purpose of this guide is to provide you with a few simple tools and ideas that are backed by neuroscience that will help you plug the talent drain in your team and organization. The power of your payoff when you put this into action will be that you and your team and with all of those people with whom you interact will feel recognized, engaged, enriched and happier. Employees will prefer to stay and productivity will rise. There's a couple of key questions you should be considering as you read, watch or listen to this Advantage Coaching Guide. What is the one thing you will stop doing, start doing or change how you behave or act that will have the greatest impact on your leadership performance from your learning here? And the second question for you, what is the single tiniest, weeniest little step you can take immediately that will begin that improvement and by when? Time to encourage. What is the problem? Who does this hurt? If we've learned something from this pandemic, it's that we need community. We were built for community. We already know that a fundamental need for all human beings is to feel as though we belong to a tribe. And we're better when we are in community. We collaborate more readily. We reach out to help one another. We feel safer. We feel protected. Even more so when that community is under siege from external forces, whether it's an invading army, a disease, or simply the competition. When our community is attacked, we work together more effectively. Not always, not all members, but enough that Homo sapiens gain supremacy over other better qualified and better equipped alternatives. Instead, we reach out to parasocial tools using technology, whether it's Facebook friends, TikTok reels, or a character in a Netflix drama. We have replaced the deep social connections of friendship, family, and real community. And the same has happened in the workplace. Exacerbated recently by the pandemic, that allowed people to be quarantined at home, separated from loved ones and banned from socialising, the world was forced to catch up over video conference, a communication platform that all but destroys empathy. But perhaps more importantly, people have become increasingly unhappy and dissatisfied with their life. This could be because our expectations of happiness are created 
by the parasocial platforms that show only ooh, an idealized and glamorous world inhabited by a small selection of the very beautiful and famous. Keen to bolster their own egos, the blame for the lack of collaborative community has been laid by many bosses on the reluctance of many to return to the office where they can be more easily monitored and controlled. It has something to do with corporate culture, apparently. Somehow, the office environment is a magical fairyland where everyone collaborates, happy to be surrounded by physical human beings, showing their immense gratitude to their employers by raising performance and generating new sales from thin air. Only that isn't what's happening. Bad pay is a primary factor cited and lured with the possibilities of better pay and a less toxic work environment and greater flexibility. Well, people are quitting and they're quitting in droves. Well, what do we need to develop? Firstly, what's happening in your brain? We all share six common fundamental needs that drive our behavior, mostly unconsciously. When our needs are being met, we feel fulfilled and satisfied, even happy. When these needs are not being met, we become painfully, consciously aware of the lack and intend to act to address that lack. And I emphasize intend because we do not always act on it because we can make a conscious choice. We may be effectively powerless act because it really is beyond our capabilities or we choose to be constrained due to some other societal or social expectations. For example, you want to quit your badly paid job in a toxic work environment but you have debts to pay and mouths to feed. Either way, stress-inducing chemicals, most notably cortisol and norepinephrine or adrenaline, have already prepared you for the freeze, fight, or flight response we all know well. And the more basic the unmet need, the greater the desire to respond. Food, water, shelter are survival fundamentals, and that's what minimum wage is meant to cover. Some bosses think that's ample, and I'd like to see them live on it for only for six months and find out how ample it really is. Feeling safe both physically and psychologically are essential. When you don't feel safe, you don't take risks or speak out for fear of reprisal. It's often considered better, safer, to keep your head down and be a madras crab and avoid all poppy syndrome. Feeling that you belong to a tribe is our next need. We all know that being and feeling part of a community is beneficial. Isolation is bad for us. Solitary confinement is a punishment that is meted out in prisons. The temptation, though, when we do find our community is to build walls around it to keep other tribes, invaders, out. And we silo ourselves, even from those tribes, that we need to be effective ourselves. Then we can consider what, what 
we and what we do matters, that we make a difference, that our work and our lives have meaning and the self-respect and self-esteem that makes us feel good about ourselves. If I'm really amply paid, I, I can pay for the essentials, some safety and even my tribe. May may not be genuine, but so long as I keep paying, hmm, the life can feel pretty empty and pointless. Even the very rich and famous have plenty of issues here. Just check in with the writings of the richest, wisest man to ever live in the book of Ecclesiastes. Becoming your very best self is a pretty high level need. This is your need to realise or to actualize your talents and potential. You are more likely to respond to a threat to your basic survival needs than your need to self-actualize, and threats to the more basic needs correspond with higher levels of stress hormones. Uh, hang on a second, John. Uh, what about this sick need that you mentioned? I thought there were only five originally. Yes, there were, but even Maslow wanted to add this sick. And it's what's so utterly wonderful about our brain and our creation. As we'll learn in a moment, we already have the solution to meeting our own needs with another of our own needs. We need to serve others. It's something Maslow called self-transcendence. How much of a problem is this really? Well, the numbers are actually all over the place. About 44% of people intend to quit their jobs in 2022, according to a Towers Watson survey. 58% in Singapore plan to do so. Sure, they might not all quit, but they're sufficiently unmotivated to stay. Gallup's State of the Global Workplace for 2022 paints a shocking picture on employee engagement, with just one-fifth engaged in their work. Stressed-out employees represent a massive 44%, higher now than at the very top of the pandemic. Many leaders cite that people quitting is all about greed for more pay and rewards, desire for more flexibility, and the return to office policy. And it's the talent who are being hunted and poached Recruitment companies and headhunters, they're finding lucrative and a 59% of willing talent ready to cast aside old loyalties for a few, okay, a lot of dollars more and the promise of a better future. Perhaps more importantly, a mere 62% do not feel that they belong to a supportive community at their current workplace. That is, they consider the company culture to be toxic. The same flex job survey showed that poor management is cited by 56%, lack of healthy work-life boundaries at 49%, and not allowing remote work at 43%. A toxic work culture includes the failure to promote diversity, equity and inclusion, workers feeling disrespected and unethical behaviour. And according to an MIT Sloan study, it's 10.4 times more important than compensation in predicating staff attrition. And the cost 
the cost of employees each at $5,000 at an executive level, $15,000 for recruitment. Of course, if you're in the recruitment business, you'll be happy that an estimated 50 billion will be spent more on hiring this year. Well, it's good to know somebody's thriving apart from vaccine makers and the real estate industry. How can I get better in this area? John C. Maxwell says, nothing of significance was ever achieved by someone acting alone. Look below the surface and you will find that all seemingly solo acts are really team efforts. Okay, before we dive in here, I'd like you to remember and think about the person in your life who made you feel valuable, who made you feel worthwhile, or they just plain made you feel good about yourself. Got someone? Hopefully, it's your current boss. It could be a parent, a relative, a teacher, a spouse, a friend, a cousin, a coach. Anyone who made you feel that they cared for you. And contrary to popular myth, I am not suggesting that you go out and recruit a team to help you achieve something significant. If you want to be truly successful, if you want your life and your work to have meaning and purpose, if you want to unlock your talents and unstuck your true potential, go help others achieve their success. No, you did not misread, you did not mishear. As a leader, you want to plug the talent drain, then radically care for your people. I mean all of them. Not just those you think are talent or the current best performers. Heck, you may not even like many of them. But I'm not asking you to like them. I'm saying go and serve them, help them, edify them, appreciate them, care for them. How? By communicating that you care for them. You need some statistics to back this up? Sure, no problem at all. 91% of employees in an Interact Harris poll said their leaders lacked the one critical skill of communication. On a positive note, 9% did not say that. Now, same poll, not recognising achievements, 63%. Not giving clear directions, 57%. Not having time to meet with employees, 51%. And the list goes on. Check out the link on the show notes. Remember, with a toxic work culture, that is a culture where people do not feel respected, that lacks the promotion of equity, diversity and inclusion, is 10 times more important than compensation in predicating staff attrition. Ten times. So, now you're convinced that maybe there's something in this communication of care? The good news, right, very good news, is that you don't even have to force a smile as you do this, because it will come quite naturally. 
And do you know why? Because we were made for community and our brain triggers our happy chemicals when we engage in community. We are built to help each other. Our brains thrive on this stuff. Sure, it feels great when someone serves you. And that's what many people enjoy about eating out or flying business class, even getting a haircut. But you know what makes your brain gleefully joyful? Mm -hmm. Serving and caring others, lifting up others. Every time you care for someone else, every time you show care by serving someone else, every time you show appreciation to someone, you receive a lovely dose of dopamine, perhaps a little serotonin, maybe some uh, endorphins, if it took a little effort, a bit of oxytocin. These chemicals make you feel good. In fact, they make you feel fantastic. Ah, but I must warn you, these feelings are addictive. And as you embark on this journey, you'll want more. If you stop, you'll get withdrawal. And you may even seek a costly substitute. Once you start caring for others, eh, you'd better just continue. And you can start. You can start really simple. It doesn't have to be at all complicated. Just tomorrow. Decide that you will greet everyone you meet with a smile and a hearty good morning. Use their name if you know it. Trimmer, just the smile then. Very simple, not too difficult. Keep it up. Yes, you will get strange looks. People will seem to regard you as completely and totally nuts. You're far too happy. What have you got to be happy about, huh? Just keep it up. Keep going with this. Some people will smile back. If not today, then maybe the next day, or the day after, or a month after, or even a year after. Some will never ever smile back. They are not your problem. You just keep it up. It's good for you to do this. When you're ready to upgrade your happy chemicals dosage, catch your people doing something good and appreciate them. Follow the link to catch them doing something good for a mini course on that. Upgrade some more to a level two leader. Ask them for feedback. What can I start doing, stop doing, do differently that will allow me to serve you? better. Thank them for any feedback you get, take it on board and start, stop or change whatever they suggested. Give it a try. And when they ask, what's the matter? Are you dying? Tell them, no, I've just decided that it's time I truly lived and point them to this resource. Oh yeah, that individual you remembered just before this section? Okay, I am absolutely, totally certain they showed that they cared for you. They made you feel good. I'm right, aren't I? Are you so very different to everyone else in this world? Okay, what's next?
Will this plug your talent drain? Well, it will eventually, or at least it'll help more than the pay increments you've been throwing at the problem. Of course, it may be a little late in the day for the current situation, but start now and you'll be better prepared for the next crisis. And there will be another crisis. It's often said that people join companies, but they quit managers. Well, it is true in part, but great leaders can more than make up for a poor manager. That toxic work culture, it makes a bigger difference. And that is a leadership issue. Stop being passive, expecting good relationships with and within your team to magically happen. If you as the leader don't put in the work and the time to build and maintain those relationships, then you'll soon have all the alone time you could ever want. Make more time for engaging your people, colleagues, bosses, staff. And you better I'm overloaded already. I know you are. The overflowing inbox that steals much of your day. Well, honestly, now you've dealt with that and dealt with what matters by talking to the people that matter. Only hold meetings when meetings are the very best way. Prioritise what matters with those who matter. And you can upgrade to a level three leader by holding weekly touch point sessions of just 15 minutes with your boss and each team member. And attrition rates drop two thirds. That's 66% of people who don't quit. And also they improve performance. Oh, and those of you who want everyone back in the office, please stop repeating the myths and lies about better performance in the office. More innovation or that stale argument about company culture. If you make it policy to go to the office, productivity drops, engagement suffers, well-being declines, and the desire to quit, it goes up. Be honest, you prefer being in the office. Perhaps you feel more in control or more visible to your bosses, or maybe you just need to get out of the house. Instead, make the office a flexible, autonomous choice. And make coming into the office so valuable, so affirming, so enjoyable and engaging that people want to come in because you are there and you care for them to feel good, recognised, valued and affirmed. And when they feel good, your clients and customers will feel good and will want to do business with you. Increased productivity and profits will follow up 21% if Gallup survey is correct. What do I do if I need help to do this? Your first step is talk to someone you trust, a medical doctor, a pastor, a true friend, maybe a coach or mentor. Remember, Everyone has a greater or lesser issue with this because we all have a brain that is wired the same way. And we all have the same needs. If you want to consider coaching, you can learn more about Advantage Coaching so that you can have joy at work and your team 
becomes united in trust and collaboration. Contact us through the links and arrange a complimentary, confidential, no obligation discovery session. I'm Dr. John Quenworthy, and it's been my pleasure to serve you today. As your Advantage Coach, my purpose has been to encourage, develop, guide and empower you in the art and neuroscience of expert leadership so that you build a successful organisation and create a collaborative, high-performing team with engaged, joyful employees. If you would like to learn how Advantage Coaching can help you, your team and your organisation, then join me for a complimentary discovery session by applying at advantage.coach forward slash apply. That's advantage.coach forward slash apply. Be greatly blessed.